You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 261 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great. I'm freezing, but I'm great. How are you, Val? Okay. I'm not as freezing because I have my heater on, but I understand your heater is broken. Yeah, I mean... Maybe you should get it fixed. Well, it's been broken, but I've been nursing it along through the winter. And I actually thought, because the last uh, maybe week and a half or so, we've been having warm weather, like it's spring, sunny days. And I thought, I won't need it. And then... You thought spring had started. Yeah. Yeah, And it was a false start. (laughs) Yeah. It always teases you. But, you know, this actually, listeners, is not the Bureau of Meteorology podcast. (laughs) This is So You Want to Be a Photographer. And we will be going into our interview with Alan Fletcher, who is such a great photographer. But before that, we've got a few things to talk about. And one of the things is to give a big shout out to Betsy from the United States. Now, Betsy was kind enough to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and a very lovely, lovely long review. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Betsy has said, I don't usually take time to write reviews because I'm running from my son's school practices or his games and listening to Gina and Valerie in my car. They crack me up talking about their pets, kids, their honest mistakes, an exciting lifestyle. I think that's your exciting lifestyle, Gina, more so than mine. But then they seem to have a real down-to-earth home life after a busy day or trip. A great mix of everything I need in my day, knowledge, humour and honesty. I started listening to the podcast over a year ago because I love to mess around taking action shots of my son's games. And then Betsy talks about how the other parents um, have a look at her shots and all the stuff that she's done with photography and how she's found a new way of um, learning photography through Gina and um, that she uh, also has a golden doodle and a Malta poo. And <laughs> <laughs> that she says that because of the podcasts, um, she has improved immensely and getting better every day because Gina has taught me why my mistake happened. In spite of my lack of knowledge and creativity, my improvement from listening to Gina and Valerie has caused me to now receive calls and texts quite often asking me to do teen, senior, family and other photos. How good is that? That's amazing. So good. And Betsy says, I just want to thank you for making this enthusiast improve her photography as well as keeping me smiling as I learn. Please know you are both greatly appreciated. From Betsy, who is a mum, a grandma and teen mum. Wow. Thank you so much, Betsy, for taking the time to leave us that review on iTunes. We're really, really grateful. And if any other listeners have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, that'd be fantastic because it helps us in the rankings and it helps us find more listeners. So thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Betsy. That's amazing. 
What else has been happening in the world of Gina? Oh, I've been out shooting. I've been doing a lot of uh, headshots at the moment. It seems to be like there's uh, seasons of the year, I think, with uh, photography. Mm. So I have been shooting a lot of headshots. And I've also been working on uh, several Photoshop tutorials for the Gold members and some off-camera flash tutorials. So they'll be dropping regularly over the next uh, few weeks, Val. Very, very exciting. And if you want to find out a little bit more about the awesome gold community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the gold community. One of the things I love is mentoring the incredible photographers who are in my gold community. I recently asked Kerry Setch about how much the gold community has had an impact on her photography. It's just level upon level upon level. So... When I first started, I really didn't understand even portraiture and lighting at yep. all. So to learn those basics, but then to push myself and for you to push me in that, to um, to uh, go that next level has been really incredible. So as well as the support and connections that have developed within the community. So um, yeah, it's been really good in the access to resources. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so that's a little bit of information about the Gold community and I love all of the people, all the photographers from so many different walks of life who are in the community. Um, Now, listeners, you may occasionally hear Tiger. Now, Tiger is Gina's cat. I'm just giving you a little bit of warning because he's feeling a bit needy today <laughs> and uh, you, he, he, we've let him, you know, hang out in the podcast room. So you just you just never know. You might get a little bit of a um, little meow or a little purr from, from a furry animal. You know what happened the other day, Gina? Yeah. Because Rocky, Rocky's my cat, um, and Rocky and I watch YouTube videos on my iPad just before we go to bed and um, – watch a bunch of things and he just he sleeps on my head and yeah. I just hold the iPad and he watches and the other night I don't know how we stumbled across this video right but we somehow we stumbled across a video and somebody has videoed uh, a cat so there's the camera and then there's the cat in front of the camera and in front of the cat is a really big screen TV and the cat is watching Mufasa's death scene in Lion King <gasps> Oh my god. So the cat is watching this death scene, which is on very loud on this big screen TV, and Mufasa is, you know, Scar is basically about to kill Mufasa. And yeah. He's slipping down this deep, deep ravine, this deep gorge to his certain death. And it's very, very, very stressful and it's it's full of suspense and 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 you know, danger, and then Simba watches his father, Mufasa, go down this deep gorge and runs down the gorge. And as he does that, the cat runs to the TV and then Simba appears on the TV, like, looking for his dad, and the cat reaches out his paw and touches Simba. Oh, oh my that's God. so cute. It's cute, but it's so it was so traumatic. Rocky and I were watching this all on this YouTube video, and Rocky and I were just because we w- did not want to watch something traumatic before we went to sleep, and we were just traumatized and in shock. And Rocky's looking at me, going, "What the hell did you make me watch that for?" It was so stressful. 
<laughs> just thought I'd share that. It's like still, I'm still obviously affected by it. I think so. <laughs> it was very Anyway, we have photography now. (laughs) Yes, sorry, (laughs) sorry. Um, We have an awesome um, interviewee, don't we, Gina? Yes. Tell us all about who we have on the show. Well, this week I was delighted to uh, interview Alan Fletcher, who is known to millions of people around the world as uh, Dr. Carl Kennedy on Australia's longest running drama. They'll be celebrating 35 years Mm. on air next year. And how fantastic Mm. is that? Now, I first met Alan uh, about 20 years ago where I photographed him for the first time for a a magazine cover when he first Mm. joined the TV show. And then over the next couple of years, several other times, and then I found out he was a photographer, and we actually shared a studio together for for a little time, mm-hmm. and uh, it's during this time that I learned one of the best uh, portrait photography hacks ever from Alan, and so we do talk about that in this interview, and uh, he also uh, shares a little bit of insight of what it's like because he he became known as one of the best headshot photographers to go to mm. uh, in 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 Melbourne and in Australia during mm. that time, and so coming from a person who's been in front of the camera a lot, for him yes. to become a photographer, what a gift for every actor that got to work with him because, you know, he understands how they feel and was able to capture some amazing images. So we talk about that. And then we also, uh, Alan has uh, just been involved in a fantastic project where he's uh, travelled around the world to some beautiful and exotic uh, locations and he's created a uh, TV show called Photo Number Six. Now it's aired in Australia. I think it's also airing in the UK. Other places around the world uh, will be able to see it. Um, and from doing this show, it's uh, he learnt so much because he'd he'd uh, land in each country and find a, a a photography mentor in in each country. And so Very he clever. was yeah, fantastic. It's so beautifully shot. It's amazing. Photo number six, if you can get it in your country. But like from this, uh, Alan really learnt what it is, what skills you need to be able to recognise how to find the perfect shot that sums up the city that you're in. And uh, th- and this is what we talked about uh, mostly in, in this interview so that, you know, how anyone cool listening, you don't need to go to uh, the other side of the world to find these great images. You could just take a train to the next suburb where you live and apply these skills to what do you need to do to find mm. that shot that sums up that city. So shall we have a listen? Absolutely. So let's have a listen to Alan Fletcher. Alan Fletcher, welcome to the show. How are you going? Hi, Gina. Wonderful to be here. It's great, great to talk to you at any time. Yeah, it's fantastic. Now, we've known each other for, I think it's um, nearly 20 years. So I I met you as an actor first, working on uh, Neighbours, which is probably Australia's longest running um, show. Is it? it is that true? It is. It's the longest running, longest running drama in Australian history, yeah, so uh, um, in television history. So, yeah, pretty amazing, really. 
Yeah, and so we first uh, worked together where I was uh, doing uh, publicity for for that show for you know many many years. I was out on set last year, couldn't couldn't get close to you. You were mobbed. There was like five <laughs> deep around you, and it's always like that. So you've, you're very well known uh, in Australia and around the world. In that time, like so, I've shot you many many times, but you would have also uh, worked with some of the best photographers in the world. So. Um, with your um, acting hat on and mm. having to do these photo shoots, what is it that all the great photographers have in common? What's something that you notice? What makes the photo shoot a great experience? Because this is something that's great for all photographers to hear, what it's like on the other side. Yeah, well, it's all about the communication, Gina. I mean, you know, it's it's the chat, really. Um, the it's almost like the camera has to disappear. It just needs to be two people interacting, and and uh, then the, you know every now and again there's uh, the, you know the, there's a little click which <laughs> is grabbing an image. Um, it, it, obviously, the photographer needs to be able to focus on their work and the lighting and so forth. But it's it's being able to grab them sufficient moments of communication with the subject to uh, to make to make them feel included and to make them feel as though they are the the special thing there. It's not the it's not the lens. It's not the settings. It's not the lighting. It's nothing. Nothing. It's it's, a, it's the subject is the key. So a good f- photographer makes you feel, forget that the camera's there. You just feel like you're having a, a a moment with two two people. It's like an authentic moment. Yeah, it is. I mean, it can still be it can still be technical um, in the sense that the photographer can actually sort of sit back and say, "Could you just tilt you know, your head this way, that way?" And they can make technical adjustments, which could seem quite um you know kind of impersonal but if you've de- already developed a personal relationship then it's almost like you're working together uh it's, you're not being instructed or pushed around or used as a warm prop but you're actually you're part of, you're part of the work um which is, is flattering as well right that's interesting yeah I, I always like to include the the subject in in the work and and, in, and include them and and uh and talk them through the process and and tell them well i'm just doing this i'm just moving this and i'm just doing that but always focusing on reinforcing the positive of what they're doing yeah absolutely yeah so you are Fletch, and we, mm. I'm going to call you Fletch because that's what everyone calls you, right? <laughs> yes. Well, you, if, if anyone calls me Alan, I think I'm in trouble. Uh, <laughs> when uh, so after after a while, I found out you ha- you were um, a photographer as well as an actor, and you were you also were uh, quite successful uh, shooting headshots for other actors. And I think as a as an actor, getting to be photographed by another actor must have been amazing because you understood what it felt like to be on the other side of the camera. So you had, I think, more empathy for that uh, other person. And you, Fletch, taught me one of the greatest uh, lessons in photography that I've learned in my 30 years. And that was, I remember we were sitting, I I remember it so plainly because we were together, we're in the uh, West Melbourne studio, we were working out of there together and we'd just done a big uh, headshot shoot. You got me to come on and, and help you with some of the stuff. And we were going through the proofs and you said, oh, there's no one home in the eyes. There's no light in the eyes. And and mm. then you explained it to me and you took me through all these different shots where you sh- could show me the difference between 
cold eyes that to, to, to normally when I'd look at that shot, I go, oh yeah, that person looks handsome. The I was focusing on everything else, the lighting, whether everything was sharp, how it looked. And you took it to the next level by explaining what that light in the eyes or life in the eyes or connection meant. And I'll never forget that. And it was such a game changer for me. So thank you. Oh, that's so cool. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't learn that myself until I was actually working on a show and I was doing my um, publicity shots and the photographer uh, was, was grabbing these shots and this kind of little light bulb came on for me because I'd always been a bit stiff and uh, when I was having publicity shots and this light bulb came on for me where I kind of, I don't know, I think I slipped into a state of like just complete relaxation uh, which allowed me just to look at the camera with a smile in my eyes, just sit there and sort of go, g'day, uh, like I'm saying g'day to someone. Yeah. And um, I looked at the shots back and I went, what, they're the best shots I've ever had. Um, I actually thought like I, I was seeing myself for the first time. And I, 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 whenever I was shooting somebody else, I, was, I would try and get them to that point where they're just, they're like smiling at us through their eyes going, hi, it's really nice to meet you. Because if you're an actor and you're trying to sell yourself to the world, the, the audience, so whoever's viewing your photo has to sit there and go, oh, man, this person seems really connected to me. I really want to meet them. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of it came to me through that through, uh, through someone else photographing me. And it's so important and it's actually that's the one thing that will take uh, photos to the next level to have that connection. So I always loved like working with you because that's the first thing I noticed whenever I was photographing you is you could just – turn that on just and and it's like it, it just bring that warmth into the shot and a lot of uh, actors uh, do that and it's just it's just that next level so you when you're in front of a camera what are you thinking to get that that smile in the eyes is it just that g'day yeah it's a, it's very much like looking at this look, looking i mean obviously there's a bit of uh, you know fantasizing going on here yes. it's a bit of act, acting i yeah. suppose but it's like you, you're looking at the camera and you're constantly saying to yourself hi how you doing yeah i'm good i'm good how are you it's like just sitting there smiling at the camera but smiling with so you feel contentment um yeah. looking at the lens i mean obviously there, there could be situations where you you as the subject want to actually create a shot where you're saying okay i am the next vin diesel or yeah. whatever so you know you're going for a, a, a played creative effect but if you just want to be you um and this applies to if you've been if you're having your wedding photos done um if, if you if you're ha having it snaps um you know at, at the family at the family birthday lunch um Really, it's 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 uh, making that little leap into saying hi. You know, I'm feel I'm feeling great. How are you? Um, rather than saying, oh, a bit of smile. Yeah, because um, that makes know, which is, cold eyes, doesn't it? Everything. It, it can, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it can. It can. I, I remember there was one TV host I photographed three or four times, and she was one of the most beautiful uh, women I'd ever come across. But she couldn't smile with her eyes. Uh, I, I never got. I never got a shot where she had smiling eyes, and I think it was just that. You know, she she was always uh, perhaps a little bit too tense to get there. Yeah, live, living in their head and they're, they're, they're thinking, I hope I look good, I hope I look good, and then you're trying to smile, but the smile's not connected 
to the eye. So that there is a lot to be said for that um, visualization technique. And I often get people to uh, ask me a question in your head, any question, it doesn't matter yeah. because that puts that little question in the eyes and that can almost give it like another dimension to, to someone and just have that, that curiosity that goes along with a smile. Absolutely, and it, and it distracts them as well. It takes them out of the fact that oh, I'm I'm being photographed. To uh, okay, oh, I better think of a question. Um, you know, they they move to another part of their brain, if you like, and move away from that that stiff kind of you know. Oh my goodness, uh, I hope this. I hope the next shot's really good. Yeah, yeah, that's such good advice, and and thank you again for for switching me on to that. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I'm very, I'm very flattered to be complimented by a photography of your standing. <laughs> oh, thanks, Fletch. Now, this show that you've created, photo mm. number six. Firstly, I'm so jealous that you got to do this and go to all these amazing places because it's just phenomenal. What? Um, and and secondly, congratulations because it's it's so beautifully shot, so beautifully produced. It's just and so binge worthy. I, I just had a blast uh, watching. I, I watched a couple of episodes uh, just now before we got on this call and absolutely loved it. Um, Thank you. What is it that, uh, what made you decide to, to do something like this on this scale? Well, uh, the idea was, um, it came from the fact that I looked at all my travel photographs, you know, like, like all of us, we've got Lightroom folders full of travel photos. And I looked at all these photos and I thought, no one ever sees them. They never see the light of day. Um, and also, if, if you travel and you start showing your travel photographs to people, you find that they switch off after about 10, 10 photos. You know, I mean, no matter how beautiful your, your shot of Machu Picchu is, they sort of go, um, yeah, I wonder how long he's going to keep doing this to me. Um, so I thought, so what about if you actually had a, set yourself a goal where you said, I'm going to, if I go to Morocco, I'm going to, be, have, uh, I'm going to end up with six photos. Um, and each photo will sum up one experience I had in Morocco with one photo attempting to sum up the whole trip. So that when someone says, how was Morocco? You say, oh, well, here's, here's the photos I'll show you. And they say, where are the rest of them? They go, well, there, there are no rest of them. The, each one of these photos uh, is, is, is the trip. And the idea, of course, being that each photo poses questions to the person who looks at it they look at the photo and go who's this guy what's their story or or where where were you to get this this is amazing so they ask questions about the photos uh, instead of just looking at them and going oh that's a nice shot of much picture and um so that, that was the premise and I, I explained it to a buddy of mine who's a, a film film producer in the uk us and he said let's make it <laughs> he loved it so off we went fantastic and and so in that um what what was it that you learned? I'm like obviously when you've got all these uh like you went in each episode there's six different scenarios that you've um come up with to shoot in, in each city, is that right? It's five it's five there's five experiences five in the city or the or the country yeah. and then the sixth the sixth photo is the is the really challenging one where you have to find one of your photos that yeah. sums up the whole that whole episode or that whole trip or that whole location, which is I have to say the scariest thing task you'll ever set yourself because there are times you'd be sitting there going, I can't, I just can't imagine what could, what could be the photo. And each single time we came up with something that 
surprised even me. Sometimes I actually came up with the sixth photograph while they were filming and we were discussing what might be the sixth photo. Uh, you know, you just say something go, I know what it is. So they have a flash. So how did your culling process improve uh, working on this show? Because uh, I think a lot of uh, new photographers, even experienced photographers, it's hard to, to pick. Often that, that one shot will just shine, but then there's times when you go, I can't, I can't choose. It's like choosing your favourite child sometimes. How, how did that process evolve over the, over the shooting yeah, that's a really interesting, really interesting question because, of course, for, for all of us, we take different types of photos. Like uh, we have um, – I'm looking at one of yours on your website at the moment of, of the person on the stairs, and it's like artistically you sit there and go, this is a stunning photograph. It's compos- the composition's extraordinary and et cetera, and it says so much and so evocative. But um, it's not about a particular location or whatever. So if you're, tra- if you're doing travel photos, you want to say uh, you're looking for that photo that says uh, – uh, to the viewer, they say the viewer looks at it and goes, oh, "I need, I want, I need to know more. Could you, could you tell me more about this location or this photo or, or um, the people in it or something like that? Because you want people to, to, to go to the place you've been, not, not just look at it and go, oh, that's nice. Um, so it's interesting if you're doing wildlife, for instance, you know, and you get a really good shot of a tiger or a lion, people go, wow, that's a really nice shot of a lion. But if you've got a shot of the lion, as we did, about to eat your tripod. Yes, that's a ripper. <laughs> <laughs> then you go, okay, now people, <laughs> now we've got a photo that's kind of saying, speaking to the experience we had uh, photographing animals. Um, it, it's kind of, you know, it's that elusive thing of having an image that really asks a question, that, that challenges the viewer to want to know more. Um, and when you're shooting, you 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 that's when your mind starts going there. It's sort of going, am I taking a record shot here? Am I just taking a shot that says I was here? Um, which I think most travel photos are. They're just shots that say, hey, I was in this location. I have to say, the selfie now has become the travel photo. Um, uh, I, I mentioned Machu Picchu before. I was there recently. Five thousand people go there every day. It's extraordinary, and most people had their phones and and cameras were were putting themselves in the photo, um, the, the their travel photo, and it's completely legitimate. It's it's their choice, but their travel photo was to say I was here, hmm. um, and that's that's kind of you know that's all they need. Um, proof that they they got to Machu Picchu, if you like. Uh, they're not really interested in trying to take a photograph of the location that would be different or special. They'd say, I just want to record the fact I was here. That's very cool. You've just got to wait, unfortunately. You've got to sit around for many hours waiting for all of them to go home so you can then start getting shots of, um, of, the, of that place without them in it. Yeah, so the one thing that, that that struck me by the process that you guys um, used in in each city that you went to, and I think um, photographers can use these techniques anywhere. You don't need to travel across the world to be able to use them. But the fact that you went to great pains to get off the beaten track, get high, get low, 
and find those uh, unique angles and not just as like, you can't help yourself. You're going to be in Paris. Of course, you're going to do that shot of the Eiffel Tower. Well, how can you make that different? And and you showed us so many great ways to do that, whether it be shot sh- shot with a reflection or the there was a great image where you found a railway line that went past the Eiffel Tower. You did a great shot. Uh, yeah. that way as well so all of that thinking outside the box um is are there any um uh tips that you you, you can share with us that, that some of the, the the highlights for um that you learned because you you how many mentors did you have through the whole series how many different photographers oh, there, were working there, with you there was i think we we didn't have a, a photographer with me every episode so we, we uh, i think I, I worked with about five five photographers yeah. over, over the journey um in Iceland, uh, you know, I, I worked with, uh, with with a photographer who takes tours there, and we I'd already been to Iceland with him, so we had a great relationship. And uh, um, he, he's a superb landscape photographer, so um, he, you know, he, he he reminded me with landscape, uh, and well, I've I've been to Portugal with him subsequently, is that he's he's meticulous about composition. Um, and he's meticulous about making sure that his camera settings are are, um, are perfect to get uh, to ensure sharpness, um, um, the right amount of motion blur, so you're not you're not got a ridiculous amount of blur. Um, uh, he's, uh, he, and he uses a lot of filters. I, I've got um, a full set of Nissi filters that I got from him. Right. Um, and you know, but a lot of people these days say, uh, "Oh, I don't bother with filters anymore. I can do it all in post." And uh, I have to say that it's, it's still, you know, grad filters are still, you know, king in my kit. Um, I agree. It's not the same. No, it's it's it's, it's really, um, I, I just just being able being able to uh, reduce your dynamic range uh, on location is is so important. And uh, I mean, goodness, back in the days of black and white, I used to do it with the zone system. Can you believe it? Where, you know, we, you changed your development and your exposure of film to, to broaden the dynamic range. Yeah. Um, these days, these days we don't have to think about that too much, but um, yeah, just using the use of the histogram and the filters um, just makes life so much easier when you get back to the computer. Uh, and, and in general, it just gives you a much sharper, um, uh, better defined shot. So uh, he was great. That's, that was in landscape. And then in, in Paris, working with Patrick Colpern, who primarily runs Instagram accounts, he, he, he's fantastic because he is. He, it's so, so yeah. many great little hacks that uh, he taught you. Yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously the reflection, uh, Patrick, you know, we love reflections, particularly puddles, and they can create great shots. But I don't, I, it had never occurred to me to take you know, six one-litre bottles of water with me and make my own puddle. Me neither. Um, (laughs) I I, I went, oh, that's how you do it. Bring your own water. Don't wait for rain. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, who's to to stop you getting onto Westminster Bridge and pouring a bit of water onto the pavement to get a reflection shot of the Houses of Parliament if you want one, you know? it's uh, it's it's a canny canny little little hack, and um, you know he's the one who said to me, if you take this train line, um, and and you go in this direction, you will see the Eiffel Tower through the window. Just you need to you know stand there. So I went backwards and forwards three times um, to to get you know to get a few shots through the window of the Eiffel Tower. He he's a master at um, 
he he would do all sorts of funny things. Like um, we would be walking down the street, and then uh, he suddenly would spot a stationary car at a traffic light. And he would run up to the car, stand right next to it, like the person in the car is going, what the hell is going on? And he would photograph the Eiffel Tower it reflected in the hood, the hood of the car, oh. you know, things like that. He was very audacious and, um, and uh, he a great believer in, uh, in taking a shot and then apologising later if he had to. Um, you know, there were no big pardons. He'd be probably a lot pushier than I would ever be. Uh, in terms of photographing people and and things like that, so he and he was very big on getting up high. We climbed up onto the roof of his apartment, which was the scariest thing I've ever done, since there was absolutely no railings or protections on a slippery roof. And he goes high wherever he goes. He he, he climbs onto the top of hotels and uh, he he goes to a hotel and just says, "Hey, can I go on your roof?" Um, and in, invariably, they let him go up there. Yeah. <laughs> he talks him into he talks him into it because he says, "Well, I'm going to be mentioning that I'm pho- photographing from the top of your hotel. This is the best you know place to see Paris." So they let him go up. Um, yeah, so getting the getting the angles, getting the interesting angles on a city. That, so he taught me so much. Um, you know, he's a wonderful wonderful photographer. He really got you off the beaten track, which I think is important because I think. It's it's easy just to um, roll into a city, take a few steps outside your hotel, go find the the hot spots, the ones that everyone and and take a take take a postcard shot where there's. Yeah. What's the point? It's not saying anything about your experience, or so you may as well try and get something unique to your trip, I guess. Which I think that shot that you did on the rooftop of of the Eiffel Tower, looking through the uh, the chimneys, the terracotta, yeah. uh, was was just beautiful. And and I think this this was uh, one of the most uh, important lessons uh, out of these uh, th- these series. Um, did did this force you out of your comfort zone, Fletch? Because I just noticed through the Instagram, the shots that you took, uh, you know, you were really, it, you changed up your style quite a bit. Yeah, it it, it was very tricky because, as you know, you know, when you're shooting, you, you generally need a lot of time to shoot well and um, and to really look at a, a site. And that's one thing we didn't have. We just didn't have time. And the other thing when you're traveling is you want to get the light, you know, try and get there for the best light. Well, we didn't have that luxury either uh, because a schedule, a, a schedule is a schedule is a schedule. And if you're going to be somewhere in midday, you have to try and get a shot in the midday sun, which you wouldn't normally shoot in. So it really pushed me to try and find some sort of way around the limitations we had, um, which would mean you, you shoot a lot. Obviously, you shoot a lot, but you you have to really engage in in looking at your scene uh, very quickly and and sum things up very quickly and make quick decisions. Um, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But um, I, I, the number of times, of course, I went somewhere and said, oh, if I could only go back tonight, mm. um, you know, or you wake up in the morning and go, oh, you know, it was, it was pouring with rain yesterday and now look at today, you know, but we're not there anymore. Um, and that's everyone's every travel person's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So how how has your uh, thought process changed? With because obviously you've taken. Do you know how many shots you took shooting this uh, series? Oh, there would be. Oh, 
it would have to be 10,000. 10, right. And so yeah. here you are, you're under pressure, which I think is a fantastic thing for every photographer to be under pressure because I think that stops you working from a thinking mind to a creative mind. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's you using your intuition rather than this would be a great photo kind of thing. Um, so ha how do you think your approach, like what, what is your approach now when you land in a city? Because this, I think, is a skill that every photographer needs because even if you're only going to the next suburb and you're booked to do a headshot of someone and you haven't had an opportunity to uh, pre-plan or, or scout the location, you want to be able to find that good light, find that good angle very, very quickly. So when you land in a when you land in a location now, what are you doing yep. to scope the location? What's your thought process? Oh, well, the, it starts at home. Um, uh, it, it, the home research is the most important thing. Prepping. I worked with a couple of photographers on the on the Victorian episode who could not be more prepared. I mean, their, their preparation for a shoot is incredible. Um, I, I have uh, I have an app called Sunseeker. There is a number of apps that will tell you the, the path of the sun, for instance. And um, for any location I'm going to, I can map it and say, where will, where will the sun be at that time? Uh, what's the best time to be there for sunrise, sunset, etc.? Um, or side lighting and so for each location I'll sit there and say the best time to be there is it would probably be x um, and I then I'll start doing things like okay so Eiffel Tower um, what's around the Eiffel Tower I mean what, you know what, what, what where could I go to shoot it from um, and try and use if you can use Google Maps and 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 look above and say well there's a huge park here I can use that park or or whatever um, but then, and, and it's, I don't think it's wrong to do this, you start looking at other people's work mm. and, and go, well, well, you know, what, what did this person do in Chennai? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> and kind of go, what, you know, what, what's, what, what's interesting to me? And you might, you might see other photographers have achieved shots uh, that you sort of go, well, that's the way I like to shoot. That's totally in my, in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder where they got this shot from. I remember, you know, the famous shot in Santorini, which looks at the, you know, there's a very famous shot of Aura in, in Santorini. And uh, you, if you ask a local where that shot's taken from, they won't tell you. Um, and some don't know, but it, those who do know won't tell you because, you know, it's it's kind of – they have so much fun watching people trying to find that place. Ah. And it took me it took me days of wandering around until eventually I, I got a, a hint from someone – and I found, you know, you go down this alleyway and there's a little gate and you go through that gate. And, of course, when I got there, there was like 50 people there. Who'd <laughs> <laughs> also found it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not like it's the greatest secret in the world. But it was it's such fun trying to find that spot. Um, and then, then it comes down to when you're in a place saying, okay, um, where can I get high? Where can I get up, up higher? Um, is there a building uh, that sort of was well located uh, to, that I can go and ask them? Can I go? Can I go to your roof? Um, or something like that. You know, it, it's really kind of thinking, where where, where can I get a different shot from? Um, on the, when we did our London episode of Photo Number Six, we we, we took a helicopter ride down um, down the Thames. Um, and for anyone who hasn't photographed out out of a helicopter, it's scary and it's 
difficult. Mm. Um, you know, hanging out at an open door uh, helicopter, who you got vertigo like I have, yeah. um, and you're getting smashed by the wind, and you're trying to frame up and get a good composition, and of course, uh, shooting from above gives you uh, different exposures. Um, you have to make different compensations, etc. So it was really tricky. Um, taking ferries and, and boats um, to get better views of a city or a different view of a city, um, you know, things like that. So it's actually, you know, like in New York, for instance, I found a, a ferry ride I didn't know about, and it gave me some of the best shots I've got of New York from that boat. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's uh, it's a, a, a kind of a, a little known uh, transit point. There were certainly no tourists on the boat on the boat. Is that from Brooklyn? Uh, yeah. 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 That's a great uh, so, view of New York. Spectacular. You got it all to yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like um, you know, and you can go backwards and forwards too. Mm. You know, and 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 uh, use use different lens sizes and so forth. And that's where you, that's where you see a lot of the great graffiti and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 doing the research to the point of watching, looking at other people's work, scoping the location in terms of um, you know, blogs and. Uh, uh, you know, what people have got to say about it. I mean, the internet now, honestly, you sit there and sort of go, you type in hidden secrets of, of Melbourne or, you know, uh, the, the kind of you know, the, the, the hottest the hottest unknown locations in Morocco. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's someone, someone's done a blog somewhere about some obscure little waterfall that no one's been to or no one goes to uh, that you sort of go, yeah, I'll try to get to that. Yeah. One of the things you did uh, that I think is a fantastic idea is you often took tours on the ground. And so yes. there will be a specialist in that city and they will take you to all those secret gems. So, like, I think one of the best uh, tips I've heard about from travel photographers is uh, do a do a bike tour around the city or a walking tour as soon as you get there and th- you'll get to see – uh, the the a whole other side to the city other than just those, you know, cliche uh, locations. So, and you were in cars, and you 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 love your vintage yeah. cars too. I noticed. Yeah, but I think that that was a great. You got some great tips doing those tours, right? It's absolutely. I do it everywhere I go. Um, the bike tour thing is absolutely uh, brilliant. I, I you know like places like um, Berlin and Budapest and so forth. Getting on a bicycle with someone who knows the city, you get around nice and quick and basically you're, you're scoping out where you can come back to. Um, sometimes you don't have time to shoot much, but you, you say, oh, I'll come back here and I'll come back here. Um, that's brilliant. I've done, I, I do tours with professional photographers in, in uh, almost any city I go to. Um, I was in Cartagena just recently, hooked up with a pro and they took me to some fantastic places that, you know, and I know no one goes to because they're out in the suburbs um, just, you know, showing you houses and, um, and markets. Uh, Man, I went to the market in Cartagena, which is way away from the tourist place. And uh, uh, it's (laughs) incredible, incredible local market uh, where you see, you know, you see how people truly live. So yeah, employing the skills of people on the ground there is a brilliant investment. Um, and and it, it it all just means that you get to see things that uh, that many other people don't see. Not everyone's going to get the chance to travel a- across the world to find the locations and and things like that. And often, like I really struggle photographing my home city, 
And it's mm. like I have the same problem photographing someone that I know really well for mm. some reason. So you did a Melbourne episode, which is your hometown. How, yep. how did you – because you, you, you know it so well, it, it loses that I, – I can't explain what happens, but it loses that magic, right? Or the, well, it, the shock of the new, which is when you get to a new city, everything's exciting and new. But when you live in it, you kind of know it so well. How did you go photographing Melbourne and what did you do to change it up to find that exciting vantage point? Because you got some great shots. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, well, for starters, I went straight to Hidden Secrets of Melbourne tour. Uh, I did a walking tour of Melbourne. It was through the laneways um, to, to laneways I hadn't been to got the information about them and then I was able to then go back and uh, recreate that for an episode of the show and it was actually Stigo who actually said to me well if we're going to go through the laneways maybe we should try the rooftops as well Um, so as soon as you start doing rooftops you suddenly realize that uh, we found out that they're making honey on the rooftops in Melbourne so bang you've got a really yeah interesting story photographing beehives on top of major building um so the, the you know the tour once again hooked me into that. Um, in in other aspects, we did um, uh, we we looked at um, uh, we wanted to do something on Aboriginal culture because you know that's that that's kind of the, the this is the only episodes in Australia for this series. So we wanted something that had um, you know some something about in, Indigenous people. So we went to the Grampians, but we didn't do the scenery of the Grampians. We focused on the Aboriginal art in the area and the culture. And again, again of course, you know, went went round with a, a local guide. Um, and for me, the MCG was a no-brainer. We went to the Melbourne Cricket Ground because it's possibly from my experience apart from maybe Wembley one of the greatest greatest sporting stadiums in the world um and and uh I I, I remember I, once I was, I was sitting in the stands at the MCG looking at the light towers and I think I mentioned I suffered from vertigo yeah. but it, it didn't it didn't stop me thinking man how cool would it be to get up the top of one of those um so you know <laughs> the first thing we did was make the phone call to saying can we go up the light tower um and uh, yeah, it, we they let us go up. It was it was no fun going up, I can tell you. But uh, um, amazing shot from up there. Yeah, and you got a cracker so, of the shot from of the yeah. MCG. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, you know it's it's it, it's once again that whole thing about thinking outside the box, saying where can I where can I get a view that no one else is likely to get, um, uh, and and have have fun uh, have fun doing it. Um, so I think the Great Ocean Road is a no brainer and. Um, to, you know, go, going down the Great Ocean Road, I have to say, was uh, was fantastic because, as you say, we we all do this stuff all the time. You know, it's our it's our local area. But when I, I went down there, I went um, uh, with, with a couple of a uh, couple of uh, photographers, Robin Williams and Gigi Williams, and they're they amazing. Really, Their work's fantastic. It's beautiful, isn't it? Mm. And they pushed me to get the very best out of sunsets and sunrises mm. that. Um, I probably wouldn't normally get. Um, you know, I, I, I actually learned the lesson that I leave too early and I arrive too late uh, yes. so often. Um, you know, and uh, uh, I mean, for me, when we did Sunrise, uh, the, the, the crew, uh, the, the <laughs> we, started, we started shooting before the crew turned up, um, you know, and, and uh, we were getting stuff that in the almost in darkness that I loved. Um, yeah, so the, the, those guys were amazing in, in what they taught me. Um, so I saw the Great Ocean Road in a way I hadn't seen it before. It was, uh, was very, very cool. 
So that whole, you know, wait for longer, turn around is a big tip, you know. Don't yeah, just, yeah. D- d- like, because, and and again, I think that forcing yourself to do the shoot under pressure gets you out of that thinking mind and just shooting intuitively. And there's always something that you'll stumble on around the corner. I don't believe there's any accidents in life. So, so no. I think that they're all great tips and definitely, definitely doing those, um, a walking tour in your own city, you're going to discover so much more than you ever even knew about. And they're not expensive at all. You can like some, some cities run free work walking tours as well. And you just bring your camera yeah. and away you go. Um, Absolutely. Just to finish, uh, Fletch, mm. you're, you're, mm. so traveling with all that gear, did you have to minimize the amount of gear? Did you change it around? Have you got a favorite sort of um, lens uh, focal length that you like to travel zooms primes. Yeah, well, what's what's all that yeah, look like? I I, I, well, I use zooms because you know the, the speed at which you can work is is enhanced. Um, uh, unless I'm using like 100 mil macro or something for a specific purpose. Um, if I'm doing portraiture, I'd love to use a prime most of the time if possible. Um, but my 1635 2.8 is the is is the lens that barely leaves the, the camera body? Really, um, that's a beauty. That's it. So that's a Canon. So you got a Canon, a Canon kit. Yeah. Yep. Which one? What Canon. camera are you working on? I'm on the, the Mark Four Five D, yeah. and um, uh, you know it's 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 a fast, uh, beautiful camera. It's it's there, there are plenty of equivalents. So like everybody, I'm sort of looking very fondly at mirrorless and. Mm saying, oh, it'd be nice to lighten up the kit. And anyone who's got mirrorless I talk to just love them. So, you know, may end up may end up mirrorless. Um, so 1635, I have a, obviously the the great 7200 2.8 is the is the best lens I have for for getting bokeh and, and just um, um, you know for shooting portraits for uh, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of glass basically. Um, and then, but the, the, the 100, 400 sits in the kit for wildlife, uh, if it's around, but of course my dream lens would be a, a longer focal length than that. But, uh, you know, there's only so much you can carry and, yeah. you know, th- th- that's a lens that doesn't get out of the bag a lot, but it has to be there. And the other thing is, is I, to be honest with you, I shoot quite a lot with my iPhone. <laughs> I noticed that. I noticed yeah. that. And you're getting some great shots. You do, it, it, particularly if you say, "Well, this is not. I'm not. This is not a photograph I'm intending to put on a gallery wall." Um, you know, if it if it is for socials or it is actually just for for low for a small print, um, you know, I, I use I use the proprietary cameras on the um, on, on the phone. So you know, I have my, my pro camera is my probably favourite camera, um, and uh, any photo I take, I send straight to Lightroom on my phone or my iPad. And process it on the spot. This is the other thing I'm doing these days. I, I actually don't go home and spend hours and hours in front of the computer. Um, I'm not a great post processor, and uh, I, I'll, I'll, when I'm travelling, if I'm travelling for myself just for fun, I, I'll actually sit down, you know, on a train and process ten photos from the day before, my ten favourites, yeah, uh, and process them and put them into a Dropbox folder so that when I get home. I've got, you know, maybe 50 photos of my trip that I can then uh, go back into Lightroom and work on. Right. Uh, yeah, just to just to get a head start on the on the on the work. Um, when you get home and find you've got 10,000 images, 
from a TV show. <laughs> it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. It's a lot. Of, yeah. I, I noticed that the, like that sixteen to thirty-five. You're doing portraits with that as well. Yeah, sometimes it's. I it's quite endless. like that, Fletch. Yeah, I really did. Is. I'm like, wow, that's um, that's an interesting look because you get, a, a, particularly for a, a beautiful location, you got that entire background, and then you've got y- your person in the, in the foreground, and all this yeah. beautiful depth of field as well. Yeah, that, that's right. That's right. So I've also got a twenty-four one hundred five, which is the standard Canon lens, mm-hmm. and. That is a stunning lens for for portraits as well because you you can get out to eighty five to kind of where you get into a sweet spot for for portraits eighty five through to one three five and uh, one three to one oh five or whatever and um, so that's a lovely little lens for that too but yeah sometimes you know we, we this is the thing isn't it where we really got to push yourself and say um, you know all the all the all the things saying how if I'm going to use a wide angle. What's the best use of it? I mean, the best photograph of the Eiffel Tower, I think, from underneath is with a with a huge wide wide angle looking yeah. up up at you know from below it, um, things like that, or or uh, photographing the little fake Eiffel towers that are on the pavements everywhere and making them the subject. Yeah, um, that's kind of neat neat little stuff. Um, just having fun, and you, you, it's just so much easier to do this stuff. Uh, when I walked around with Patrick, we we walked around with our iPhones. A lot of the time, um, you can shoot quick. You can have a lot of fun. I've got some moment lenses I put on my iPhone. Yeah. Um, so I've got a 16 mil wide angle, um, which is quite good. I've got a little telly. Um, yeah, it's uh, you can you can move quickly and lightly, and you can. I have to say, you can also get some pretty sneaky little shots with your iPhone too. If you well, don't you're going to gonna love it. mirrorless. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll talk to you off air about some suggestions okay. for you, um, Fletch. This has been amazing. I I'm so excited that 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 this show has come out, and so um, for Australian, UK, uh, New Zealand listeners, uh, what what regions uh, can it be seen? And hopefully, it's on some airlines as well. Yeah, it's on airlines. Find it. Well, it's it's um, uh, at the moment the Australia Channel Ten shows it in Australia. We're halfway through their second run. It's coming up in the UK. I expect it to go to air sometime this month or next uh, in the UK. New Zealand's seen it once. They may they may rerun it. Uh, it's um, it's in a few sort of little locations, like I think it played in Malaysia, etc. And the airlines, well, a lot of the popular airlines have got it. I know some episodes turned up on American Airlines. So at the best, probably the best thing to do is um, it's the usual thing of through our socials, which is obviously on Instagram, uh, we're on, we're at uh, at photo number six, uh, and on our website photo number six dot com. Um, there'll be news regularly on there where it's showing. So if you if you follow us on the Instagram, it's very likely you'll get information about when it's coming to you. Yeah, fantastic, and hopefully it'll be worldwide uh, soon enough, Fletch, because it's it's such a beautiful beautiful show and i've got some uh some of your images that you've taken uh in the show notes so um anyone wants to go to genomilitia.com they can find all of those fletch it's been amazing i have to let you go but um thank you this has been great chatting and i've definitely loved to have you back on and um talk more things uh photography so thanks again fletch Oh, that's so awesome thank you so so much and uh and all, all the best to all the photographers out there happy travels 
So there you go, Alan Fletcher. Now, of course, Australians are very familiar with Alan and no doubt everyone in the UK is familiar with Alan because Neighbours is so big over there. If you're from the US, not sure if you get Neighbours there, but obviously Alan's a fantastic photographer. But um, yeah, Alan's a pretty big deal in the acting world too. If, if you remember Eddie Redmayne when he won the Oscar for playing Stephen Hawking, he um, Alan was one of the people he said was like his acting inspiration so that's pretty cool. That's a big deal. And um, how funny is this? On my other podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, I've actually interviewed Alan's wife, Jennifer Hansen, mm. for her book, Making Headlines. So um, very talented family, I would Very say. talented. All right. So what is happening now? We've got um, uh, Aussie slang of the week. Yes. So right. I thought in, the, in, in honour of having Alan on the show this week that I would uh, use a, a slang term that is mm-hmm. used by Australian stage and TV performers. Okay. And I, I actually remember the first time I heard this word, I'm like, why is everyone wishing <laughs> everyone luck by saying that? It just sounded ridiculous. So you know that... Uh, Say uh, on the stage in the in in the US or in the UK, where instead of wishing uh, people good luck because yes. actors are superstitious, they'll usually um, say break a leg, right? Break a leg, correct. In Australia, the uh, they say chookers instead. <laughs> chookers, C H O K A S, and. <laughs> So when someone's about to go on stage and they go, chookers, everyone, chookers. So they don't say break a leg, they say chookers. Chookers, which is so Australian. And so, so the story is that in the early 1900s, uh, mm. chicken was regarded as a treat. Um, like, you know, it was it, if you had chicken for dinner, that it was a big deal. You, you were, you know... Because it was expensive. It was very expensive. Mm-hmm. And so as most shows were paid fees, depending on, like, what you made at the box office, if yes. you had a full house, right, that means yes. that all the performers would get paid and they'd be able to afford a chicken meal. So ah. the cry... Uh, Chook it was like you got. We're having chook. It was shortened to chookers, and uh, <laughs> and then eventually it was used by performers to wish wish each other luck uh, for a successful That's show. Excellent. And I've actually shared this whenever I've been overseas working on any productions. I like they're going on and off they go, and I go chookers everyone. <laughs> and they like get these weird looks. <laughs> Wonder what they think you're saying. I've explained it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. So try and use that in a sentence this week, listeners. Your Aussie slang of the week and uh, extra points if you put on the accent as well. Yes. <laughs> you bung it on. That's a good Aussie slang. Bung it on. Bung it on. Hey, hey, don't use them up, Val. Oh, don't use them up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, you got a you got double you got a double treat this yeah. week on the Aussie slang of the week. All right. Um, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. What? Uh, where do we find you online? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on Instagram and all social media. And if you are thinking about taking your photography to the next level, you might be a beginner, just want to take better photos of your pets or, or kids, or you're uh, someone who's 
trying to start a business, then I'd love the opportunity to work with you. Check out the gold community. Just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to catching up with you next time. Chookers, everyone. Chookers. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.